Hey, you know, one of the things I love about Grace Hills that, that uh, I've noticed since I got here uh, about a year and a half ago is that we have one of these in the bulletin every month. Well, not this exact one, and certainly not this one, because this one's mine, but it's a card. It has a verse on it, and it's our monthly uh, memory verse. And last week, you received this in your bulletin. We have more available in the back. But the verse this month is Romans fifteen four. And as a staff, we get challenged to memorize this, and so I'm still in the process of doing this. But Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And I was just sharing how much I appreciate uh, that verse. You know, most weeks as well at Great Hills Church, you have in your bulletin a sheet, and the bulletin is called your personal time with God. In fact, you probably would find something in your bulletin that looks just like what's up on the screen. And what we want to do is provide you with a daily uh, time in God's Word, a daily devotion that gives you some scripture to read, uh, gives you a couple questions to answer, and then a few topics to pray about as you get ready uh, for your day. And so whether it's the memory verse or the personal time with God, uh, really for all of us here as pastors, our goal is to encourage you to be knowing God's word, to be reading God's word, to be studying God's word, to be engaged with God's word. I mean, after all, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I love that verse. In other words, it functions, God's word functions like a roadmap. I know those are like, well, I've heard of those now that we all have our smartphones, but they do come in handy. God's word is like a roadmap, and I believe if you take those, it'll give you direction in your life that's good for as you go through 2018. But if we were transparent, if you and I were sitting down having a cup of coffee, which would be decaffeinated for me because I'm not the caffeine kind of guy, but I'd be sitting there talking to you and you'd think that I was on caffeine and I would say, hey, you know what? I don't always memorize God's word. Did, he, did the pastor say that? I don't always read God's word. I don't always study God's word like I should. Why? I know this is just me, so I'm just being transparent with you, because I know you don't have this problem, that you have other interests in your life, or that you have responsibilities or priorities that can take your attention away from being in God's Word. Or is that just me? Anybody identify with that at all? Four hands. There's going to come up when you realize that God's listening to you and watching you. No. Um, Think of it this way. It's kind of like when you're driving down the road and whatever, and something kind of catches your attention and, and, and takes your eyes off the road. Um, six or seven years ago, I was teaching my daughter to drive, and this is a video of what happened when I worked on that. So check this out. Watch where you're going. (laughs) So thankfully that she's learned this now and that won't happen in real life. But do you know what that's like to be distracted? We've all encountered that, right? 
We've all been distracted while driving. We all have interests. We all have responsibilities. We have priorities. We have things that we have to get done in life. And honestly, it can take our attention away from God's word. You can put that verse on a card and go, well, that's great. And you can have the personal time with God and well, that's good. But man, we're, we're busy and we have a lot of stuff going on. And I think it's challenging to find that time to study God's word. You, you have family responsibilities. Uh, you might be working and have a job to get to. And you're like, man, I'm late. I got to get going. What were you God's word later? You come home, maybe it's re- household responsibilities. Uh, just the day in and day out of the stuff that you've got to do. And then maybe your doctor said, you should exercise more, lose a few pounds this year. So now you got that to get done. And eating and sleeping is always good, right? It's just part of the good things that we do in life, but they do take time. And they can take time away from God's word. And then you think about television and surfing the web and reading through all your emails and whatever involvement of social media that you're engaged with, all potentially good things in moderation. But again, those are topics, those are interests that can take and distract our time, just take away our focus from God's word. And so as we think about that, we have a lot that can do that, right? And what I want to encourage you and be, to tell you today as you start off your first Sunday for 2018 is that Jesus isn't surprised at this. Jesus, your Savior, knew you would probably have some challenges in this area of focusing on his word as you go through 2018. In fact, because of that, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a chapter in one of the Gospels that he gives just to prayer, much of it for you and for me. It blows me away to stop and think that my Savior stopped in his day and prayed for me. He prayed for you. And so in this last recorded prayer, it's kind of at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he stops to pray for you. And what we're going to see this morning is one of the key requests he made to his Father was for you and in relationship to his word. His word is in mind as he prays. You know, if you travel someplace you've never been to, typically in today's world, you'll pull out your phone, punch in the address, and and maybe use it. Maybe you're on the freeway and you see somebody like, oh, they've got directions. They're following wherever they're going, right? Or you step back in, in time to a world that has paper and you actually get a map out and you figure out where it is that you're gonna go. I mean, if you think about that, we're only at day seven, And if my math is correct, we have like 358 days or so left that you have left yet to live in life. And as we go through life, maybe you've gone through the first seven days and you thought, well, I don't know if I need to, to work through God's word. But as you go through 2018, I want to submit to you that God's word can, should, and therefore will serve as your roadmap. And Jesus' prayer is that you will follow the directions that are on it. As you go throughout the year, God's word can serve, should serve, will serve as your roadmap. Using that as a metaphor. And Jesus' prayers we're going to see is that, man, you will follow his word. That you'll follow directions that are in there. And so as we begin the new year, I want to look at Jesus' prayer this morning. 
And then I want us to discover how can we respond to it? How can it, in effect, answer that prayer? And then I want us to be reminded of why following his word like a roadmap is the best way you can go in 2018. So if you got a Bible, open it to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, where Jesus prays for you. John chapter 17. So John 17, so we're just going to highlight a few verses in this passage today. There's a lot. You could do a whole uh, month-long sermon series in this chapter. But Jesus gives an account, basically, of his earthly ministry here to his Father in the form of a prayer. He kind of covers a a little bit of everything, if you will. And in verses 1 through 5, if we were to stop and read that, you would see that Jesus starts the prayer with praying for himself. He, he's just praying for God to guide him and that he would be glorified as he serves his father and that the father whom he is serving will be glorified as well. And then in verses 6 to 19, which we're going to focus on a few of those verses within there, Jesus next prays for his disciples. Now, intentionally, it's really the disciples within that group that he's there, but I think it's applicable to all of us. If you're a follower of Christ, that makes you a disciple of Christ, who you're following, And he prays for their protection. He prays for your protection. He prays that they would be unified. prays that we would be unified as a church. And prays that we would have what's called sanctification. That we would be sanctified through God's word. And in the last verses, 20 to 25, Jesus prays for future believers. That's really where you and I come in because we were the future believers at that point. And he prays for them to be unified. He prays for them to be a witness And then ultimately that God, like he was praying, would be, his father would be glorified, that we would glorify his father. So our focus is just going to be a few verses here this morning for the time that we have. And so I invite you to look down now at verse 13. We're going to read through to verse 19. Again, my Bible is written in red. I love that because that means Jesus is talking here. And in this case, it means he's praying. We get to listen in to his prayer. So here's what he's saying in this prayer. But now I come to you, and he's speaking of the Father, and these things I speak in the world so that they, that's you and me, that's the disciples, may have joy, my joy, made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Uh, They're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Therefore, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. So we're just going to focus on those few verses right there for this morning, particularly kind of running with verse 17 all the way through this morning. So Jesus is, uh, gives this prayer, and he uh, did not belong to a worldly kingdom. He identifies with that. In fact, in verse 14, he says, I am not of the world making that distinction that this isn't necessarily where he belongs. He's here temporarily, just like you and me are here temporarily. We're not here forever. And that's the case for for everybody. As I thought about that, perhaps you've seen this bumper sticker or a window sticker. 
Have you seen this before? N-O-T-W. Anybody shout out what that means? Wow, you guys all must have that on your car. Good job. Not of this world. Well, that follows in place with what uh, uh, Jesus said. The believers belong to a heavenly kingdom because of their new birth in Christ. In fact, John 3, 3, Jesus declares this. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. In other words, unless you've come to Jesus, unless you've come to, to know him, confessed your sin, invite him into your life, which is what we get to re- be reminded of to do what he did to make that possible for communion this morning, then, then you're not part of that kingdom. You're part of the world's kingdom. But if you're in Christ, you've been born again. We're not really of this world. We're just here to utilize what gifts he's given us, talents, resources, until we get to be with him one day. So Jesus prays for believers' protection from Satan as well. I love that. I need that. I pray that all the time for myself and for my family, right? To pray that Satan would be bound, that he'd be protected, that they'd be, if you will, sanctified in the truth. So there's that word back in verse 17. He says, sanctify them in the truth for your word is truth. I remember in seminary hearing this verse and it's just ever since then, it's just it's like one of those verses that just stays with you. It's a pretty easy verse to memorize, but it just stays with you. So what does that mean, sanctify? You're probably not texting that, posting that, hey, I was sanctified today. I don't know if you're not throwing that out there, but you might be. But really all it means is set apart. Which follows the question, set apart to do what? Set apart to live the Christian life. Set apart to follow Jesus, unlike what the world is doing. Set apart to honor him, to glorify him with God's word as the roadmap. With God's word as the light, the lamp, the roadmap as you go throughout 2018. This is why we offer that memory verse it's why we offer the personal time with God. It is so that you can be on the right road, so that you can be sanctified continually. This is an ongoing process from the moment you receive Christ until the moment you go to meet Christ. You're in the process of what's called sanctification, continually being set apart, being more like Christ. And his word is the roadmap to give us direction towards that end goal. And so notice back then in verse 15, Jesus doesn't pray for us to be removed from the world like a monk in some monastery. Rather, we're to be in the world, we're to be set apart. Again, that word sanctified. But again, how are we doing that? In case you haven't figured it out yet, just make it really clear. Sanctify them in truth, for your word is truth, by following God's roadmap, by following his word. And so the verse 17 has that word truth. God's truth is a standard against all other standards. It stands alone. It is the one of a kind. You might actually have on your Bible, on the front cover, the words holy (laughs) and Bible. Did you notice that? Almost, I don't think, well, right now I can't think of a Bible I've looked at that doesn't have the word holy Bible on it. Have you ever thought why that's there? It's saying it's set apart from any other book there is on the planet. That there is no truth like this truth. That there are a lot of other maps you can look at and places to go and things to see and stuff to do. But as scripture tells us, some of those end in destruction. They're not the roads you want to take. 
And so when we look at God's word as we go into this year, we're realizing this is a word, this is a book, this, these are pages that are set apart from anything else like we have in the rest of the world. God's provided us his word for us to follow, to, to go through, to, to let us lead, to lead us as we go through 2018. I love it as he kind of concludes back in verses 18 and 19, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. Jesus set himself apart to the cross, ultimately, so you could be set apart. It's a reminder for us as we commune with him this morning. Set apart, as it says in verse 19, for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they themselves may also be what? Sanctified in the truth. Not sanctified in all your talents and all your abilities and all your accomplishments, even though those are God-given. He's saying, I want you to be sanctified by this. More than anything else, I want this to be the guide, the lamp, the light, the roadmap you take, every step, every direction you go through in life. Again, think of this because it is this. This is what? This is a prayer. Your Savior's prayed for you. He stopped in a given day, in a given time in his ministry and said, you know, I just got to pray for you. I just got to pray for you, that you'd be sanctified, you'd be set apart and follow the truth. There's much more we could look into this uh, passage, but for the sake of today, I just want to focus on what we've looked at. And it raises the question in my mind, it raises an important question. How can you respond to Jesus' prayer? How can you respond to Jesus' prayer? We've looked at this prayer. What I want to do next is discover how can we respond to this prayer? Because you have an opportunity to actually answer the prayer. You ever thought about that? Sometimes you pray for something and you're like, well, I'm dependent upon them or dependent upon God for you to work. This is actually a prayer you can participate in the answer. Uh, This amazes me to think about. So how can you do this? Let me offer two ways. The first way is to live in the truth of Scripture, to live in the truth of Scripture. What does that mean? It means to use this as the roadmap to know this roadmap as believers, to know it inside and out, kind of like an old map that's well-folded out, well-used, maybe have some notes in it like you might have in your Bible, right? To live in the truth of Scripture, this is the roadmap to know as believers. There's a couple habits that go with this, of living in the truth, of how to respond to Jesus' prayer. The first habit is pretty obvious. You've got to read your Bible. Ta-da! Imagine that. Read your Bible. To actually do that. This is where the, it begins for us daily for followers of Christ. Whether you're six months into your faith, into your walk with Jesus, or you've been a Christian for like 60 years, it's the same deal. The same direction to read your Bible it's, it's interesting, uh, Moses anticipating that Israel's going to want their own king one day because all the other nations around them have a king. And this is the instruction he gives in Deuteronomy 17 about that, if that happens, which, of course, it did. He says this in Deuteronomy 17. I put it up on the screen for you. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the priests who are Levites. It is to be with him. And he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of the law 
and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Notice the direction for this. This is for a king, the leader of Israel. If this was to come to pass, and it did three times, right? To have a copy that the leader would actually supposed to be reading this. Now, if you know about the history of, what was it, Saul and David and Solomon, do you think that they did that every day and followed it? No, me neither, right? We all struggle with that. We already mentioned that. So regardless, whether you're a king or whether you're just a peon like me, we're to live the truth just like the king was too. To follow that as a roadmap, to let it guide us and direct us as believers. That's the first habit in living in the truth of Scripture in response to Jesus' prayer. The second habit you've got to have is you've got to study the Bible. After you're reading it, we're taking the next step and studying it. And what does studying mean? It just simply means to understand what's being said, what's written on those pages. To study that, to understand that. As they're coming back from captivity and into, back into Israel... We read this in Ezra 7.10. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching his decrees and laws to Israel. Notice the word there, study. It's not just reading it. He took it another level, took it another step, which involves time, right? Looking at this and studying to go, hey, what does God's word actually say? And so Ezra was struck, instructed by King Artaxerxes to establish an educational system with the law in mind, to actually know it, to study it. In fact, when we look into the New Testament, we see this as Paul's instruction to Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's the only way it's going to come is through studying it. In your bulletin, and Mike mentioned it, you have a little insert your life group insert. It looks just like it looks on the screen, only it's paper and you can feel it, right? On one side, it basically describes, well, what happens in a life group? And you can look at that and go, okay, this is what's going on in there. Part of which is reading, studying, discussing God's word. On the other side of that is the groups that are available for you to join. And as was mentioned, you can just write that on your, on your um, response card, which now you should not have, Uh, because you already took the offering. But we want you to encourage you to be in a life group because it's that opportunity to read and then to study God's word. And that's what it's there for, to help you respond to Jesus' prayer and living in the truth of Scripture. Second way to uh, respond to Jesus' prayer, as we discover here, is to live by the truth of Scripture. Live by the truth of Scripture. This main more is about the roadmap to follow It's not only to know about it, it's to actually follow it as believers. And there's two parts to this. The first part might seem a little strange to you, and it's this. Believe in the Bible. Yeah, I know. You're thinking, I already kind of do that. Well, that's good, and that's probably true. But when I stop and think about it, true belief is different than, oh, sure, I believe that. Yeah, right? Right? And you really know that you believe something. Belief in the Bible is not enough to read, study, and memorize the Bible. It requires belief that it's true. To get perspective of how important it is to believe the Bible, the Apostle Paul rebukes these people in Galatia because they're missing it. In fact, in Galatians 3, 1 and 2, he yells out to them, in my mind, you foolish Galatians, 
Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ is clearly portrayed as crucified. Hey, I got a question. I would like just to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Well, obviously, the the latter is what the correct answer is. And he's saying, hey, I don't know that you're really believing what was told to you. But yet, belief is how you actually came to know Jesus. It wasn't by observing the law. And so he's saying, hey, you've got to be able to believe this. It's got to show up. Reading study is not sufficient for being sanctified. Jesus' prayer to respond to that. It means I need to be actually believing it. And what does that show up like when you know that you're believing it? Well, that brings us to the second part and the way to respond, and that's obeying the Bible. It's obeying Scripture. So once you're reading it, once you're studying it, once you're believing that that's really true what it says there, then you follow it through with obedience. Jesus made this clear in John 14, 15, when he said, if you love me, you obey what I command. Oh, man, that's an easy verse, isn't it? Hey, if you love me, you'll obey when I... Oh, sure, I got that down. In other words, if you really believe this, Bill, if you really say that you love me and you mean it, then take from reading and studying and believing in that and actually show it in your life by how you live it, by obeying what it says. And Jesus makes that clear because obedience is proof that you're reading the scriptures. Obedience is proof that you're studying it to some level and obedience is proof that you actually believe what it says. Uh, To think about the proof and the level of what that means and how far you can take that in life. I remind you of the story of this chicken and this pig who had a conversation. Yes, they could talk. I'm not sure if it was in Charlotte's Web or what, but they were having this conversation on the barnyard and they were saying, you know, our farmer, you know, farmer whatever his name is, call him Farmer John because we, we know that, right? Farmer John just treats us so well. He takes care of us, feeds us, gives us shelter. It's so much. Is great. What can we do to show him our appreciation? And the chicken responds, I got a great idea. Let's cook him a big breakfast. To which the pig says, that's not much of a sacrifice for you, but for me, it's everything. That's total obedience. That's sold out completely. So I would challenge you to think about this this morning. To properly respond to Jesus' prayer, you might ask yourself, how far are you willing to travel down this roadmap? How far are you willing to not just read it, study it, believe it, but actually obey it? What would that look like in your life? And so as you ponder this morning how you're going to respond to Jesus' prayer in John 17, 17, of sanctifying the truth for your word is truth, I just want to kind of head towards home by reminding you of something of just reminding you of what we're dealing with here, of God's word. How reliable is God's word? Your roadmap for 2018. I know we probably take it without thinking much of it, but there is significant evidence, substantial support for why God's word is reliable and it is the roadmap you should follow that I should follow each and every year. Three facts I want to share with you that act kind of like spiritual guardrails to keep you on the road. The first fact to remember is this. God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Peter made this clear about prophecy in 2 Peter 1, 21, when he said, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, 
but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, inspiration by the Holy Spirit that God's word is like. Paul put it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, when he wrote, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the reality of it, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. That idea of work in you, that's the sanctification that goes on until you meet Jesus, that began when we received Christ and carries on until then. Paul made this clear about all scripture, all 66 of the Bible, when he said in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God would be thoroughly equipped to do the work that God calls you to do in his word, right? To be able to do that. Reliable. How reliable is God's word? You wrote for 20, 20. Second factor, remember, is God's word is past the test of canonicity. God's word is past the test of canonicity. Canon, again, probably not something you're texting out every day, right? Except unless you're using your canon to take pictures. Well, this is another word for canon. means simply rule. Like a ruler or a measuring rod, a standard. We have 66 books, right? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And all of those books, all 66, had to go through a test of canonicity, what were those tests? There's three of them. First of all, it had to have the authority of the writer. The authority of the writer. In other words, for the Old Testament, it had to be a lawgiver, like Moses. Had to pass that test. Or they were a prophet, like Isaiah. Okay, that checks off that test. Or they were a leader, like Solomon. So that was the first part of it. In the New Testament, we had to be backed by an apostle to be recognized and accepted as true, such as the apostle Paul. The second test under the test for canonicity is the internal evidence. It had to read different than any other book. What, what do I mean by that? Well, think of it like this. If you were to take 1,600 years and you had 40 different authors who lived on three different continents and they had about 40 different jobs and they wrote in three languages... That span of time, all those conditions, all those variables in, in, in play there, and yet they all, in that time frame, write about one person, Jesus. One major problem humans have, that's sin, and one solution, our Savior, right? It's all about that. So that was a test that it had to pass. The second or third test was unity and agreement in the verdict rendered by the churches, and councils. What church are we talking about? The church in Jerusalem. What council? The Council of Carthage. Again, a little bit of church history, the third, fourth, and fifth centuries. That was a span of 300 years where they diligently met over and over and over and over again, applying this test, applying these rules, saying, is this truly the word of God? You imagine being on that council and feeling that burden that God has appointed you to be the one who selects and makes sure that they're all right and true because it's going to impact you. It's going to impact me centuries later, millenniums later, right? So we have that, the church in Jerusalem, the council in Carthage and those met and finalized the New Testament. As Solomon put, I love this, Proverbs 30, verse 5, first part of it says, every word of God proves true. Boom. Every word of God 
It proves true. It just does. It comes out to being true. And the third and final fact to remember is that God's word has been verified through manuscript evidence. God's word has been verified through manuscript evidence. There's the Old Testament and there's New Testament. For the Old Testament, really where the authority of that proof came in was the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were found in 1947. And up to this point, the earliest manuscript we had was from 895 A.D., like a thousand years was the most recent we had, like, right? Well, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they had text of the Old Testament dating back to one or two centuries before Christ showed up. And you know what they found? They found the same words. It was accurate. It proved to be true. So you have those that are there. In the New Testament, we have what's known as roughly the 24,000 manuscripts. I put it up on the screen just to give you a perspective of that. You can't read it, but basically on the left over there, you have nine manuscripts from Josephus. He was an early church historian. Nine manuscripts, people go, true, reliable. The next one is Plato's writings. Philosopher, right? 30 of those, just manuscripts. The next one is Homer's Iliad, 650. But when you come to the New Testament, 24,000 manuscripts. And they all come back to saying, it's about Jesus. We're sinners and we need a savior. That unity, that verifying unity that's there. There's nothing else on the planet that can be and test like God's word. It's why Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God, you know, it stands forever. It stands forever. So whether it's the memory verse or the personal time with God or spending time in your life groups, uh, we here as, as pastors really want to encourage you to be in God's word throughout 2018, to follow it like a roadmap, reading, studying, memorizing, discussing it in your life groups. As we've seen today, Jesus prayed for you, that you'd be set apart by his word, through his word, living in the truth, living by the truth. I just shared just three quick reminders for us of how reliable this roadmap is for us to follow. Let me, let me close with a quick little video. Uh, we are on a family vacation a year and a half ago. Uh, we were staying at Hume Lake, and uh, I'd never been to Yosemite in all my life. My kids had never been to Yosemite, and my wife had only been when she was a little girl. And uh, believe it or not, we used a map to figure out how to get there. But here's the thing. We had no clue of how this, what this map was really going to take us to. We knew we'd get to Yosemite, but we didn't know how it would go. And this is what happened. My wife grabbed her phone, and this is what she videoed as we were driving.
As you can see, we had no clue, no idea what that would be, what we came out of that tunnel. And I just want to submit to you, if you follow God's word like that map, you might go through some tunnels this year. But if you're willing to follow his word, at the end of 2018, I think what you'll find is you're going to go, wow, that is so cool, like my son said, to see how God has sanctified you through his word because you followed it through 2018. God, I thank you for your word that it is living, that it is active, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, it gives us direction And so, Lord, I pray for us as a church that we truly would be a church that's sanctified in the truth. Because, God, that was your prayer. And, God, your word is truth. So as we go into communion now, Lord, we go in there because it's the truth of what you told us to do. God, I thank you for loving us. For Jesus being faithful to follow what your father did and asked you to do for our behalf. May you receive the glory now as we worship you in your name. Amen.